1: And you can always hit us up at the Locked on Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775. Like us on Facebook where we post all of our podcast content. Review the show on iTunes. Let people know why you like the show, why you listen. And maybe they can make Locked on Packers part of their daily routine. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the injury report. There are some important injuries on both sides with the Green Bay Packers, the Miami Dolphins set to go on Sunday afternoon. Then we're going to answer some of your questions, uh, some about Aaron Rodgers and the the outlook for this season as we move forward. Next week, I think it will be prudent uh, to discuss what's going to happen uh, with the future of Mike McCarthy, depending on how this game goes, and and the Thursday night game in Seattle. Short week next week. So um, I, I think what we might do is compress down some of the things. Maybe no expert Tuesday. Um, and just focus more of our energy on the Seattle Seahawks, hoping uh, we still do crossover Wednesday, hoping to get things squared away on another guest for Thursday. But uh, we'll see what we're able to uh, to accomplish. The short weeks uh, complicate things. Obviously, Friday well will not be an injury report day. It will be a day to discuss what happened, and then we'll come back. On Monday the following week. So let's start off with the injury report. Uh, there was a little bit of concern earlier in the week when Mike Daniels was put on the injury report. Apparently a shoulder injury popped up uh, at one point in practice, uh, but he was taken off the, the projected injury report on Friday. Remember, uh, no Friday practice. So all of the designations that that Green Bay gives are projected designations. Uh, Kevin King has been ruled out. My expectation would be that Bashad Breland is going to get the start, uh, Jair Alexander, uh, and Josh Jackson. That would be how I would think those things would uh, would play out. And, and depending on uh, the looks in this game, I think you're going to see Jair Alexander on the outside and the inside. The interesting thing about the Dolphins is with Jakeen Grant, Kenny Stills, and Danny Amendola, Three of their top four with Devontae Parker in terms of their receivers are speed guys who play in the slot and outside. So you can't just say, okay, Jair Alexander, you're going to play in the slot or you're going to play against this guy this week because there's too many other guys to, to worry about. And and none of them are great, as I said yesterday, but I think you do have to be worried about the concern about trying to get big plays down the field. Uh, and, and Green Bay is, is obviously going to be geared up to try and stop those. The other thing is uh Brian Bulaga it looks like he is on track to play was was limited but then was his projected designation for Friday was full. so they're expecting him to go. uh Blake Martinez coming off that ugly ankle injury last week I can't I still can't believe he got got back in the game to play. uh th- they don't necessarily need him. With Oren Burks and Antonio Morrison in a game where they don't have a ton of, of guys you worry about in terms of the, the guys that the linebackers are going to have to cover. And frankly, uh, the linebackers in space, that's a thing that Green Bay does, but they have not used linebackers in man coverage that often. Preferring instead to use Jermaine Whitehead, that'll be Josh Jones this week. I think you're going to see more of him at linebacker this week. Kendrell Bryce should be good to go. That was one of the reasons that that Josh Jones had to get in the game against the Patriots was Bryce was hurt. But uh, Bryce is is looking good for Sunday, uh, and Josh Jones is going to be on the field a lot, especially when Kenyon Drake is in the game, and, and that's going to be important speed for Green Bay to have in there because. Uh, Drake is an explosive player. And when you have someone with with a little bit more speed to cover him, that was one of Jermaine Whitehead's main issues. I, I think that really helps your overall defense. Uh, Jimmy Graham is good to go. Uh, Aaron Rodgers practiced all week. So he, he should be pretty close to 100% for this game, which theoretically should help them in the red zone, should help them on third down, should help him escape trouble if he needs to. Uh, but I don't expect that to be a huge issue in this game considering where uh, the Miami Dolphins' front seven is in terms of rushing the passer. The only other concern for Green Bay is Randall Cobb is questionable. He was limited all week, and I'm not sure it's going to matter that much because the secondary in Miami beyond Xavier Howard is a pretty big problem, and they've given up big plays um, every week the last month or so. Uh, their their secondary corners behind Xavier and Howard, we talked about this, are really bad. And so even if it has to be Adams, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, Equinemius, St. Brown, and, and Trevor Davis, um, uh, that should be enough to get after these guys, Marquez Valdez-Scantling certainly stepping up and becoming a focal point, becoming um, a legitimate threat in this offense, following in the footsteps of Geronimo Allison, who did it earlier in the year. I mean, when you go back and look at what Geronimo Allison did before he got hurt, it's pretty remarkable. And I think the, the Packers should expect that MVS could play a similar role, especially given his ability to make plays down the field, and, and maybe you, you, you try and find more ways to get him with the ball in space. Maybe you try, finally, the jet sweep. Maybe you bust out an end around. Maybe you get to some of that stuff that, that we've seen in the past. I, you know, I keep going back to this thing about Mike McCarthy, and, and fans are going to say, well, Mike would never do that. He's done it. What, what I find so frustrating is a lot of the, the scheme of this offense all season has been really good. It's just not been situationally good because the play calls haven't been there. And I know they have these plays and these formations in their arsenal, but they don't do them. They don't use them, and, and they don't deploy th- the right play at the right time, and they're not able to set things up the way that they want. And, and that's really what, what this offense is missing. Now, on the Miami Dolphins' side— they have a number of injuries along the offensive line. Both their offensive tackles were limited all week. Laramie Tunsil is the best offensive lineman, and if, and if he is limited or can't go, that's huge for an offensive line that already has some issues protecting the quarterback. Uh, Juwan James, the right tackle, was limited all week, and Ted Larson, the starting left guard, is doubtful. So that is an opportunity for Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels to really make some hay. And then as we talked about, those double A-gap looks where you've got linebackers mugging the center and the guard, are they going to come? Are they not bring pressure off the edge and drop the guys in the middle or bring some combination? Those are things that Mike Patton has been doing all season to great effect. This is still one of the best blitzing teams in football. And so to have offensive linemen who are not 100% To have backups, especially in the interior, given the personnel that Green Bay has, that would be a huge advantage for the Green Bay Packers in this game on Sunday. Those are the big injuries, uh, the things that that I think really stand out. And I think they're things that Green Bay can take advantage of. When you look at the way that this Green Bay interior has been able to control games, you can make this team play left-handed. We talked about their success running to the left in particular. Well, if Tunsil is hurt and Larson is out, that advantage is mitigated. So this is looking more and more like a game where the Packers defense should exert their will and give their offenses some short fields, create some turnovers, get five, six sacks, I mean, this is this is an opportunity for the defense to exert themselves and the offense to create big plays, and this is a game Green Bay knows it needs to have. It's a game Green Bay absolutely has to have, and we're going to talk about what it, what it means for their schedule a little bit later, but th- there is some congruency in where Miami is bad and Green Bay is good, and where Green Bay thinks they can be good, but have been inconsistent and where Miami is bad. And so in that way, and and I know I sound like the boy who cried wolf on this because I, I referred to some other games as get right games for Green Bay, and they weren't because the team didn't play well. It wasn't a matchup problem. The team just didn't play well. The team just didn't go do the thing. And that's why when you hear Randall Cobb talk about this game feels different, or not this game, but this season feels different than other seasons, you go back to 2016 yeah, they they weren't winning games before run the table, but like that game in Atlanta, the offense was great. And in 2015, they started out six and zero, and then things took a turn when Devontae Adams got hurt. They haven't had a season like this where they've just been really just been bad from the start. They've never had that happen, and so they need to they need to find the con the continuity and the consistency that they've had for a quarter here or a half here and they need to put it together. They've still not played a 60-minute football game. The Rams game was the closest, and that came down to one play that they couldn't make. And against a really good team on the road, you can't fault them for that. This is a bad team at home. Make those plays, play a 60-minute game, and you should win by two touchdowns. All right, I want to I want to look at a big picture thing here because I got an interesting text on the locked on Packers fan hotline. Hello, Peter. What's happening? And it comes from Chad in New Mexico. He said, "I think you're right on the money about Aaron's arm maybe being a bit injured. Remember, we talked about this uh, on the tele. The, the, the Chris Collinsworth mentioned it on the telecast that Aaron fell on his arm, and it was affecting his throws. I didn't think it was necessarily true. I just think it was it was worth discussing." Sorry, and Chad continues, having to compensate for a partial MCL tear can't be an easy task. And I know that if I'm overusing my arm when throwing a football, it can get tired quickly. I'm not a conditioned NFL quarterback like he is, but he's human and is still vulnerable to that kind of thing. Makes me wonder if he should have sat out earlier in the season given our current record. Although hindsight is 2020, just curious if you think he might be in a we might be in a p- better position had he sat out against the Redskins Lions Bills to heal thanks now here's part of why we can't play that version of the hindsight game though I think the the broader question is worth asking you can't you can't exclude the Vikings just because they almost won that game and should have won that game that that game can't not count because they almost won and they should have won and if they'd have won then that would have been a big damn deal they didn't they tied and so that sets up the rest of what's happened now, You can look at the Washington game, the Detroit game, and the Buffalo game, and you say they're probably the same record in those games, one and two, if Deshaun Kaiser plays in them. That's probably true. They probably still blow out the Bills. Now, I don't know if that's the most fair because that Bills defense is really good. And, you know, that was when Josh Allen was playing, so it wasn't Nathan Peterman throwing 45 picks and and giving the, the you know the, the opposing team all sorts of short fields and touchdowns like they did against Chicago but it's certainly true that Deshaun Kaiser probably doesn't go into Detroit or Washington and win those games and the record looks about the same they probably don't beat the Rams if they have Deshaun Kaiser but I think the point here would be to say what if the Packers just said we're going to give Aaron Rodgers 4 weeks to heal How different would the record be and could he and would he have been more capable against New England against the Rams than he otherwise was? I think it's a reasonable question to ask. But as I said at the time, if he can play, he should play and if he's not at greater risk of re-injuring and seriously injuring his knee, and it sounded like that was the case, that that it was injured and he could re-injure it, which he did, but that it wouldn't cause serious injury if he played on it. That's fine. He should have been playing. I think it's still right to say that had he not played Green Bay would probably be in more or less the same position and maybe they would have been in better position against the Rams, against the Patriots to win those games. Remember, they were tied against the Patriots going into the fourth quarter and they were leading uh, in the first half against the Rams. They were leading in the third quarter. The the Rams got out to a little bit of a lead. Green Bay comes back. They tie the game. So maybe they would have been in a better position if Rodgers were 100% healthy but Rogers' health didn't cause Ty Montgomery to fumble the ball. And Rogers' health didn't cause Mason Crosby to miss all those kicks. And Rogers' health didn't cause Randall Cobb to drop all those passes or for the defense to blow those assignments in Washington. So we can say, yeah, Aaron could have been rested a few games and the outcome would have been the same. But that process is bad process. If a player like Rogers and of his caliber is capable of playing, then he should be playing. And... It is on him to play well, and he hasn't. He's been great on third down, but been terrible in the red zone. I wrote about this for Acme Packing Company today. Aaron Rodgers last in the league in completion percentage inside the opponent's 30. And yet, when you look at him on third down, the best yards per attempt in football, a passer rating over 116, and Green Bay is only converting at a league average rate of third downs. That seems impossible. Now, part of that is they're not running enough on third and four or less. Same problem in the red zone. They're not running enough and keeping teams honest. That has been a problem all season. And, and the Packers even had coaches this week mention they need to get the ball to Aaron Jones more. And if they run it 30 times, Jones should get 20 of those carries. Well, getting two-thirds of the carries is fine. He got two-thirds of the carries last week. It just wasn't enough. You need more carries for Aaron Jones. And and I tweeted this during the week. When, when Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams say Aaron Jones needs the ball more, the quarterback and the number one receiver, the guys who would benefit statistically the least from having Aaron Jones run the ball more, are saying Aaron Jones needs to run the ball more. And the head coach says, eh, maybe, maybe not. Everyone on Packers Twitter, everyone that listens to this show, me, all of my colleagues in the media have been saying Aaron Jones needs the ball more. And the only person who seems to think that's not true is Mike McCarthy. So there are, there are so many factors, and that was part of what the piece for Acme Packing Company today was. There are so many factors to why this offense hasn't played up to its potential. It starts with Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. They have not been their best. Devontae Adams needs to to elevate his game a little bit more in the red zone and on third down. And Aaron Jones needs to be given more opportunities. And he can't, when he gets those opportunities, do things like fumble. All right, in this last block, I want to take a forward look at what to expect the rest of the way because I think there's, number one, there's some confusion about math, Um, but Green Bay, right now, okay, have has still yet to lose a home game. And what the Packers always say is, what we want to do is go 8-0 at home and 500 on the road. And that's 12 wins. Now, Green Bay would have to win out and they still can't get to 12 because they already have the four and then the, the tie. I don't think anyone thinks it's reasonable for them to run the table, but I just want to bring up this voicemail here.
0: Hey, Peter, what's happening? This is uh, Aaron from the other Illinois. We are not Chicago. We are Southern Illinois. Two questions about everyone all of a sudden having these doubts. Um, I know the stretch has been a little rough. We had some close calls, but you know, once again, this is Aaron Rodgers, and he's you know he did it with Jared Abbrederis and uh, you know, Jeff Janis and right now he's got a much more talented rookie group or younger group than he ever has. This is still Aaron Rodgers, so all the podcasts and all the other commentary that's going around, uh the morning shows, the football shows saying that the Packers won't make the playoffs, there's still eight games left to play. There are two games back in the NFC North. The Vikings and the Bears have just as much of a troubled schedule coming up, you know, with playing the Rams and the Saints and everything as well, so I think we still have a pretty good chance, and I think we're going to pull it together. I think this may be another 2000 World, and suddenly say, you know what? We're going to go ahead and kick some butt. So I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but like your input, thanks.
1: So let's just—I I just want to—I want to think about this just pragmatically and and logistically speaking. Green Bay, let's just say Green Bay wins on Sunday, okay? And let's look at their home schedule the rest of the way. Home for Atlanta, week 13. Excuse me. Home for Arizona, week 13. Home for Atlanta, week 14. Home for Detroit, week 17. So they have four games left at home. If they win those games, and they should win those games, week 14, obviously the the Atlanta game is the toughest, but you have to believe Atlanta on the road in December, Green Bay would have an advantage. Now, depending on who's available, who's healthy, how they're playing, are they still in the playoff race, all of those things are going to be factors. So let's say they go 7-0 and at home. They go 7-0-1 at home. What do they need to do on the road? Because they've yet to win a road game. They lost at Washington, lost at Detroit, lost at LA, and lost at New England. So their road games remaining. They've got Seattle on the short week. They've got Minnesota off the mini-buy. They've got at Chicago and at New York. So if they go 7 0 one, they go nine six and one if they win two more road games. There's a pretty good chance they're going to beat the Jets. So then let's then that that leaves one win out of the three: Seattle, Minnesota, Chicago. That gets them to nine six and one, and depending on. Against who those losses and wins occur, that could be enough to win the NFC North. Whether or not you think this is a contending team is irrelevant. But we just established they should probably remain undefeated at home. And they should probably beat the Jets on the road. So that is already eight. That's eight wins. So this should be a 500 team at worst. They were 7-9 and last year with Aaron Rodgers missing half the season. They should be able to win these games. So can they beat the, the Vikings in Minnesota? Absolutely. Can they beat the Bears at Soldier Field? Absolutely. Can they beat the Seahawks in Seattle on a short week? So that one is the tough one. It's the really tough one. But if they're able to do it, if they're able to pull off a win in Seattle on the short week, then that, I think, puts them in the driver's seat because that gets them on the road to nine and then any wins, you got to win, you definitely have to win one of at Minnesota, at Chicago. And Minnesota's schedule to close is brutal. So I think if you're going to pick one of those that you need to win, you'd rather have the Chicago win simply because they have an easier schedule and they're in better position right now to do that. But even if you lose at Seattle, beat Minnesota, and beat Chicago, that's 10. You're at 10 because you're probably going to get that Jets game. So now you're at eight. Remember, are we, are we following the math here? The, the season right now, if they beat Miami, the goal for the rest of the season, win your home games, beat Minnesota, beat Chicago. And, and look, if you can't beat those teams on the road, you don't deserve to go to the playoffs because you couldn't beat Minnesota at home, and you should have, so you have to go beat them on the road. If you can win those two games, then you've proven not only are you worthy of the playoffs, but you deserve to win the NFC North. If you can go in and beat the two best teams in the division, and Green Bay 100% can do that, then they'll win the division. 10-5-1 is going to win this division. That that will be good enough. Especially if you've swept the Bears and you de, de facto swept, sweep the Vikings one 0 one that that will be enough i'm telling you because the vikings would would can't lose more than one game the rest of the way if you beat them at home and that's basically true for the bears as well cuz you've already swept them so the season is is still out in front of green bay the season is by no means over and one of the points that i tried to emphasize today was the packers have the pieces offensively to be great. Mike McCarthy, for whatever you think about him as as the future coach of this team, can still scheme up an offense and at one point was a very good play caller. Aaron Rodgers, we know what Aaron Rodgers is. Devontae Adams, an elite receiver. Aaron Jones, a potentially star, a potential star running back. If those factors come together and play the way that we know they're capable of playing and McCarthy calls games the way we know he's capable of calling them, this team, I know I said it's unlikely, they could win every game on their schedule. They—they they can. There is no team they can't beat. They should have beaten the Rams. They were in a position to beat the Patriots. It's one or two mistakes here and there that have cost them. Now, over the course of the season, if that is what happens to you every game, That is the difference between a a good team and a great team, or a mediocre team and a good team. But we know the ability is there. It's what makes this season so frustrating. Green Bay can win any game left on its schedule, and they're going to have to win a bunch of them to get into the playoffs and make some noise, something I still believe they can do. I just don't know if they will, and I don't know how likely it is that they will. I think we'll learn a lot on Sunday because this is a team they should throttle. And if they don't, I said this about San Francisco, then we should be concerned. And I don't know if it's going to matter to save Mike McCarthy's job, barring some sort of miraculous run. They can't worry about that. They have to go win this week. And if they go and win 34-14, then maybe that's a hint that they can get things turned around and, and going in the right direction. And if they can't, if they win some 17 to 14 game or 21 17 type game, then i think we have to look at this and just say it's just not happening for this team. I don't I don't think either way we can say they're, you know, they're set, they're back even if they win by 40. They still have to prove it against some really good teams. But if they don't look good at at this point given what we've seen, we just have to say this isn't a good team. And they they still can be good. Maybe it won't matter if they suddenly figure it out. This is going to be an important litmus test and an important point of momentum, an inflection point in this season. Because if they can get things going, all it takes is one game. They've been saying that all season offensively. Devontae Adams said it again a week ago. All it takes is one game for us to feel like, okay, now we're rolling and let's go do it. So here's one game. We talked about going 1-0. and That was a cliche a couple years ago. We just want to go 1-0. and Go get this game on Sunday. Do it in an impressive fashion. And then the season is out in front of you. All right. Remember, a little bit of a weird week next week. uh, But if you're a subscriber, it doesn't matter. You're going to get all the shows. So make sure you're subscribing to the show on iTunes or on Spotify or on Google Play or wherever you get your podcasts. Tell Alexa to subscribe to Locked on Packers. Tell your Google home. They'll always play us when you ask them. Hey, Alexa, play Locked on Packers. And I hope I didn't just turn on your Alexa, but if I did, hopefully it's playing Locked On Packers now because it should. And if it's not, send me a message. Uh, I'll call Amazon. I'll call my buddy Jeff Bezos. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can always send me your questions there. Hit us up. Let us know where you're watching from, what you think is going on, and, and how you think this team can get better moving forward. Always, you can find my work at... PackMePackingCompany.com, nation.com And if you ever want to be part of the show and you want to contribute a question, a comment, a movie review, whatever it is, you can do that at the Locked on Packers fan hotline at 920-341-3775 to let me know how you are staying Locked on Packers.